Hello, spooky friends. I'm John, your host, and welcome to another episode of Dairyland Frights, the paranormal podcast that covers everything spooky, creepy, and mysterious in the Midwest. My spooky friends, I am so excited because I have a very, very special guest with me, Ed from Door County Trolley tours. He mainly does the ghost tours, but he says he does all the other tours and the Monster Mayhem tours. Um, and like I said, I'm super excited to have him. Welcome, Ed. Yeah. yeah. How, How you doing, doing John? John? I, am, I am doing great. So I know you have all these great tours out there, like the Wine, Cocktail, Lighthouse, Family, and so on and so forth. And you've done them all. But Tell me a little bit, you know, how long you've been in the company. Uh, tell me a little bit about the tour so my spooky friends can be like, hey, that sounds like something I might want to check out. Sounds good. Yeah, I've, I've been working, working for Door County, County Trolley for 12 seasons now. I started back in 2012. And um, we, the ghost tour was where I started. A little bit of scenic tours, but the ghost was my uh, my premier choice at the time. And uh you know, the boss, AJ, who was looking to get a few more guys in to help support the uh, the originators of the tour. The tour has been going on for between 18 and 20 years. I'm I'm not even exactly sure um, exactly how many years, but it's been a long time. Um, so I came on 12 seasons ago, and at the time, there were three of us uh, that were doing the tour on a regular basis. Um, where right now, we have uh, seven or I think there's eight of us now. Uh, that do the tours, so it, it's grown by leaps and bounds since then. Yeah, and uh, the tour is—it's it, a very unique tour um, to the area, the area of Fishwick and Peninsula State Park. Uh, so if you know those areas, um, they're, they're they're great tourist areas. They have a lot of very rich, excellent history connected to them. And uh, not only we get the uh, the creepy, the, uh, the ghost sightings, and um, you know uh, what people look at is more of a Halloween fair. Uh, we get the history of the families that experienced the hauntings, some of them that well over a hundred years ago, and we get to bring that all to life um, at the location where all these things occurred. And then we also have the opportunity to go inside an actual haunted house. Yes. And, you know, it, it is not a Halloween haunted house. I mean, this is a real haunted house uh, that the, uh, you know, spirits tend to show themselves in different ways. Um, and they've done that quite a bit. I've experienced quite a few uh, uh, episodes over the years. So uh, Yeah, know. we'll talk about that a little later and stuff. And just to, just to kind of... Um, fill in for people because we have people all over the midwest who listen to us and all over the world too so we have people in australia we have people in france canada i mean all over and uh one of the things i took the tours and this is me personally i've, I've done it three times uh, because I, obviously i'm in the paranormal <laughs> and uh one of the things and then you can uh you know tell me what you, what you think about this I people always ask me like, what should I expect when I'm taking these tours? This is just me personally, and then Ed, you can fill in the gaps here. Um, yeah. One of the biggest things I said is history. So you're not going there to be like it's a haunted hayride, and like Ed jumps out in a costume, <laughs> scares right. you. No, he no, that's not that's right. not what you're looking for. What you're going to see is 
one, they're going to take you around. And I won't spoil it all because I'll let you talk about some of the, you know, different uh, places you go to. Stories, obviously. But one of the things I really liked, like I said, was the history, was that people really, you can tell they love their job. When I well, each time I've taken it, it hasn't been some sixteen-year-old kid <laughs> like right. just trying to do it and get well, through it, which is nothing wrong with that. Uh, and the other thing too is everyone knows that this area, because we did an episode on uh, Door County in previous episode that you can check out about all the scary places and oh my gosh there's a ton of that <laughs> there, yeah, yeah. there isn't like ed's not going to take you to two places and then you're going to grab a beer and turn around that's not going to happen so it's a it's a very historical fun scary interesting i don't know whatever <laughs> adjectives yeah. i could use and adverbs i could use but am i right on that so fill my oh, audience a little bit more with the, with right. the John, you hit the nail on the head. It's one of those tours that, you know, if you come on it and you're you're a, a believer, you're going to love this tour yeah, because so. of uh, the things we'll, we'll reveal to you and, the, and just the dramatic retelling of the stories and the way they occurred. But if you're a non-believer, um, it's still an excellent tour. And people yeah, still so. love the tour because of the rich history. And that, there's quite a few that they come away at the end saying, wow, Um I maybe have to reconsider my beliefs in this area (laughs) because of what you revealed to me tonight and some of the things that we show you um, along the way, including actual pictures. Um, And people on the trolley, if you're lucky, I don't know, John, if when you were on, if anybody actually got an image uh, in their pictures, but recently there's been a lot of them. Wow. We had one lady on my second tour who, and you can talk about this, haunted house if you would like um went to the mirror in this it's owned by this doctor's well this doctor owned it and i'll I'll let you you know you're the expert on it but point is the person went and we were told by our guide it wasn't you unfortunately ed (laughs) uh but he's still a great guy Um, love to come back (laughs) yeah and and we took the picture uh, the lady, excuse me, the lady took the picture in the, in the mirror, which the guy said, yeah, sometimes somebody's face shows up. So she took it. We all went outside after after going in the house. We're all standing around. And all of a sudden, the lady goes, oh, my God, really loud. And we're like, you know, we're thinking like, well, is she okay? You know, <laughs> so, what was, sure. so she's like, look at this. And we all gather around and she shows on her phone. And this, <laughs> my, my wife is like one of those people who hears something at night and is like, oh, you know, kind of person. Um, so she looks at it, she goes, oh my goodness. And I look at it and it's this face of a woman. You could make out that it's a woman's face from, it's not her face. Cause everyone said, oh, it's you looking in the mirror. Duh. Right. Right. No, 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 no. <laughs> it was her face looking in the mirror in the mirrors. Yeah. Whatever. It's not like a regular mirror, I would say. Sure. And uh, Matt was all refl- and it's like a person was looking out from the mirror. And that's, oh, everybody I, was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> that, believe me, over the years, that has happened so many times. And the thing that a lot of people um, tend to question 
is, is this the same image everybody gets when they take a picture of mm -hmm. this mirror? No, it's not. The wow. images change in different, uh, you know, and every now and then you might get a similar one, but it just amazes me the different facial images that show themselves in these mirrors, in the outside windows. Um, and it, you know, it can be any time of year. And we'll go through periods where it just explodes. Mm. And there are, you know, trolley after trolley after trolley. Yeah. And I'll talk, I can talk a little bit later about the um, uh, what happened after that solar eclipse back in 2017. Yeah. It's the one that really solidified my belief in mm. everything that I was doing. And I was the guy leading the tours. Yeah. So, that's that's yeah that's amazing to me and just to let you know ed i've been on oh about 14 ghost tours a little bit more than that i've been in some shut-ins uh four different shut-ins um to uh, do some investigation work sure now i've been to savannah georgia where literally <laughs> right. the bathroom i was told this and i've told this story before the bathroom in the sonic drive-in is haunted and i always laugh at that because i was yeah. going to the bathroom at a sonic after eating and i was joking with the guy in, in in savannah and i go uh oh i bet this bathroom's haunted too and the guy looks at me and goes yeah in savannah <laughs> georgia literally <laughs> everything's haunted it's just yeah. crazy like everyone is has a story everyone's like oh my aunts my grandma my whatever right. Everything's right. haunted. And while, the reason I bring that up is because in Door County, you have to remember, one of the things up there is a place called Death's Door. Right. <laughs> like, you don't name something Death's Door unless, you know, when the ships are coming in. And you can check out our uh, one of our episodes, unless you want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, here. Like it's <laughs> You don't call something Death's Door. If it's something's going on and there's a lot of, whether you want to say paranormal, spiritual experience. Uh, so, and, and that's around the area in Door County. I mean, there's just. Right. Every, right. Right? County. Part of the big issue up here is we have a lot of limestone. Uh, we are right. an escarpment. Uh, it's part of the Niagara escarpment. But that limestone continues out of the bluffs down underwater. And yeah. so uh, there's a lot of. Uh, you know, a lot of hazards and a lot of uh, reefs and shoals that uh, you need to avoid. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know how to navigate the area, uh, you can get in a lot of lot of trouble. And Death's Door happened to be, you know, that was like the doorway into Green Bay. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was actually uh, named by the French um, after they had found the evidence of a Native American battle that occurred up there. Mm -hmm. And they had found so many uh, skeletons that had been washed up on the mm -hmm. beaches of that area. And they heard stories for the few witnesses that were still alive when they came through yeah. uh, that that's when they named it La Porte de Mort. And the, the British uh, translation of that was death's door. And that was actually the suggestion to actually name our County death's door County at one point. Right. Um, luckily we were a long thin County and that didn't all fit on the map. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that door is, is exciting. And there, there's a shipwreck story I do tell um, that's very apropos to, uh, to that situation. Yes. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get into this, a lot of the different stories here. So I have to ask you this, Ed, before you started doing the tours, were you interested in the paranormal? Did you believe in ghosts or has did your mind change once you started doing the tours? 
Well, I I wasn't all in on the whole ghost thing. I was very skeptical about all of it. And yeah. just uh, not not a non-believer, but somebody who was very intrigued by it and kind of hoping, you know, that boy, sure. it'd be neat to have this experience to really confirm my beliefs, but never really always skeptical mm -hmm. of the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. So it wasn't until that date in uh, basically, well, it was right after August 21st of 2017 when that solar eclipse occurred mm -hmm. that we had just an explosion mm -hmm. of facial images that people were taking. We had prior to that, I mean, there might've been four or five in a week's time. And we sure. do these tours. We start on Memorial Day weekend. We go every night um, of the week, seven wow. nights a week, all the way through Halloween and some years after, um, depending on what the, uh, what the demand is. Mm. And we have a minimum of two trolleys per night. And, mm. um, we're we're going at it heavy duty and all of a sudden you know we're getting four to five per week of these wow. images not you know not the explosion that occurred mm -hmm. after that solar eclipse all of a sudden we're getting 14 to 18 per tour mm -hmm. everybody taking pictures wow. on the tour was getting a facial images yeah, yeah. Different images, different windows um and so i'm thinking what's going on here you know is it the right. fact iPhones are just getting better. <laughs> you know, they're getting their quality, yeah. more of the imperfections in the windows. What's going on here? So I snapped a picture of every single window in that house um, about three days after the 21st. That'd be put me about August 24th. Okay. And when I got home that night, I opened up all the pictures I did. And the very first one I took was the very best facial image I have ever seen. Ooh, coming out of that house. So I, I saw that as a message to me directly mm. that I better start believing some of yeah. what, I, you know, what I'm preaching. That That is great. So, Ed, I don't want you to go through all the tour because we got to, you know, make sure that we, uh, you know, tease people so they come on these tours. But I want you to give me, before you before I tell have you tell me some great favorite stories of yours, kind of walk people through the tour highlights, like, you know, well, you know, where do we start? Like, where do you end up? And then fill it in with some stories, if you could. Kind of like, okay, we stop at the lighthouse, and hey, John, this is a great story. Or we, you know, this house or whatever. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, we started off at the trolley station. And um, when we start there, I kept, you know, I set up the tour by talking about um, my favorite location, which is the Noble House. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I set it up because, and that's that's the second stop of the tour. Um, and uh, the how I set it up is I I let people know that it was uh, built by one family, the Alexander Noble family in 1875, and only they lived in that house right up through 1991. It was the granddaughter, Dr. Gertrude Howe. She was quite elderly. She moves out in 91. There's no more nobles in that line. So that wanted to take over the house. So everything in that house is circa 1870, 1880, 1890. Wow. And, and so when she moved out, it was just this, this museum just sitting there. And for five years, the house sat vacant. And because of that, the grass grew up, the paint peeled off, the trees sure. fell down. It was becoming a big-time eyesore. Now, this is right in the middle of Fish Creek on Highway 42, yeah. a very valuable piece of property. So, of course, the real estate developers are eyeing this piece of property up. Mm. And they're they're getting ready. They're making plans. They have 
a bulldozer. You know, they're going to build. Yeah. They're going to build condominiums. Oh. They are ready to go. And so they uh, they make their plans. And when they take pictures, even of the location, they ended up when they got their film back. This was back when they were using thirty five millimeters. Oh, sure. And so they're getting their film back from the developer, and they're getting facial images in the upstairs uh, windows as oh, well. Oh wow! Pictures. So they reported squatters living in the noble house. Oh sure. Yeah, they didn't think about it as ghosts. Or right. Whatever. No, yeah. they're squatters living in there. We want to buy it. You know, we want to buy this mm -hmm. property. Yeah. So to make a long story short with this, I set that up and I let people know about the picture that I took back in 2017. And um, so I let them, I'm going to wait and see what they come up with first. And then I'm going to show them, show them the picture that I, I got. So when we get to that second stop, everybody goes in and they get to hear the stories about the um, that house and over the years, the hauntings. And what happened is the historical society, they swooped in. And they put on a fundraiser and they bought that house out from underneath those real estate developments. Great. And they maintained it. And they found um, in the attic, they found some diaries of the young girls that had grown up there. No, no. And so in those diaries, they found stories. There's about five different stories that all, you know, with the, the repeat entries from the girls, it all added up into hauntings that were going on in this house. And one of them was about seeing facial images. There'd be an entry. Well, somebody else asked me again today, who's staying with us? I thought <laughs> only you and your sister there. Yeah. We're seeing the face of somebody else looking out of the window, a young boy, a man, whatever, who's in there. So, And that they had so many entries about that, that that became one of the stories they talk about. They had stories about white birds flying over the house and indicating, uh, you know, within two weeks of that, every time there was that entry, somebody in the family passed away and they had the oh, funeral. Wow. I mean, there were there were all these different episodes, and you hear all these stories, and you hear about over the years pictures that have been taken that have extra people in them all of a sudden. <laughs> or there's a woman in white, which is you might have yeah. seen the picture yep. when you were on the tour. You know, the yes. skeletal lady floating across the line. I mean, it's some intense stuff, and the rumors of who it is, and you know, the first wife of uh, Alexander Noble. I mean, it's just it's so intriguing the whole thing. And then when people take the pictures, and if somebody gets an image. I mean, that just solidifies it right there. I right. hear stories. It's like, wow. So that's just an awesome stop. It's it's fun. You get And you get the docent from the historical society mm -hmm. who dresses up in period wear and, of yes. course, creepy funereal wear a lot of times. And, um, and then every third year in that house, they actually put on a wake for Alexander Noble. Oh. So, uh, so that's something. Can I throw a quick story in here quick? That's absolutely not, not part yes. of our tour. Um, but um, a few years ago, a friend, a friend of mine here, um, he uh, he bought the local funeral home. He's a, a funeral director, and in the basement, he found a lot of antique um, embalming tools. Oh boy, equipment. Yeah, so it yeah. had the food exchange tank. It had the big those big old needles. And it was dry. It was crusty. Oh, so he comes. You when I was doing the, uh, I was doing the tours. So he said, "Well, did you check with Doug?" And Doug was the first. He was the uh, the first um, docent, the first uh, uh, the head of the Hist historical society actually at the time. And uh, he said, "Check with Doug and see if he wants this." And so I did. And Doug right away he says, "Get that up here as fast as you can." So <laughs> I, I I went and I talked to Todd. I got it. I got it. Brought it up. And it was it was late in the uh, in the day, so yeah. he set it next to the sink, 
and said, I'm going to clean that up tomorrow. We'll check it. We'll get it into the display. Yeah. And um, when I, the next time I saw him, he said, when I came in the next morning, that fluid exchange tank had a reddish brown liquid in it. It was almost full and oh. it was dripping out of those tubes into the sink. Wow. <laughs> so I, I talked to my friend Todd and he said that thing was in a box. It was dry. It was crusty. It was a it was a, oh. a cardboard box. Yeah, so yeah. if there had been any fluid in it, when I threw it in my trunk and drove it up there, there's no way yeah. that there was, that it was moisture. Right. There was none whatsoever. Right. So he was as amazed as I was <laughs> to hear that story. So Ooh, that's a good one. That's a great story. Thanks, Ed. Oh. Yeah, and that, that's a little bonus for you guys. We don't really – every now and then, if somebody asks the right question, I'll throw that in. Yeah, nice. We have the time, so that's a good one. So we leave there, and then we work our way to a local inn. Now, the um, at the time when Alexander Noble purchased the property from um, – he purchased it from a guy by the name of Asa Thorpe, who is the founder of Fish Creek. Him and his brothers came there in 1849. And uh, they ended up selling a lot of wood, made a lot of money off selling the wood to steamships because that was the fuel back then. And he put all that money he made into, uh, well, into building inns and shops sure. and hotels because he foresaw the tourism that eventually would be coming to Door County. Right. And one of the inns that survives is called the Thorpe House Inn. And we go to that house and we tell the story about a young boy. I don't know if you remember the story of Huey Melvin and yeah. how... Uh, he passed away a tragic death at the age of uh, five years old, um, or I'm sorry, just short of his seventh birthday in 1905. And uh, he, there was a family. He passed away. The his parents made a big deal out of going to his grave. Um, he had a, a lambstone, you know, back in the day when a kid was buried. They had a, a sculpted uh, lamb sculpture mm. uh, top of the stone that they would uh, uh, use as the grave marker. And uh, his parents and friends would go out there and they put little trinkets and toys and candy and wildflowers and things on his grave marker. Every year it was a tradition. And after his parents died, the, the relatives and the friends and family from, that, from Fish Creek continued to do the same thing. And in 1980, a family from Appleton started um, camping at Peninsula State Park. And they were out on a hike and they come across this little cemetery. And... Uh, when they're in there, they see this one, the lambstone, which is really neat looking. I mean, it's it's yeah. ancient. It's got a great, you know, the little boy. So it brings a tear to your eye when you read it. And then you see all the little toys and the gifts and the coins yeah. and the money, the candy that's on there. And it's like, it's wild. And this family, they started doing that. They started putting things on. They came back camping every year. They'd go and visit them mm-hmm. until finally they figured, you know, we got to figure this out. What? what happened to him? What's going on? So they did a little research and they found they could stay at the Thorpe house Inn, which is where not only did did the little boy live, but the place where the little boy died. And uh, so their first night they're there, the mother awakes to a, you know, thumping sound and, uh, and the, you know, the room's warming and uh, she looks in the doorway, there's a light. And in the light, she sees an image of that small boy. Oh, wow. She, She tries to wake up her husband. But before he can uh, get the, uh, you know, the sleep out of his eyes, the kid disappears. So she explains it. She explains it to her kids. The next night it happens again, happens Mm -hmm. on the third night, fourth night, fifth, every single night. But the second night, Mm. the husband, he was ready for it. And so when she woke him up, he saw it as well. 
So by the end of that week, the whole family was in on the whole family. Yes. Couldn't believe it. And they went and they talked to the owner of the house and they asked him if anybody else reported any of this, but nobody did. Huh. So they, they, you know, they, they were wondering why were they selected? And when they thought about it, I mean, these were some pretty intelligent folks. Sure. Didn't, you know, they, they even admitted we, we really don't believe in the paranormal, but yeah. all we could come up with after thinking about this for a while is it had to be the ghost of young Huey Melvin. Yeah. Had to be, you know, right. and that, they believe it. So we tell a very dramatic retelling of that story. Um, and that's a, that's a, one of my favorites to tell as well. Yeah, that that's uh, that's amazing. A lot of ghost stories are like that. One of the things I always tell people, uh, like a residual haunting is typically where like, yeah, it's three o'clock in the morning, here comes a little boy again, you see him, he disappears. Um, I kind of might be similar to that. And uh, that yeah. to me is scary because, <laughs> or I don't know, Ed, if you're like other people are like, yeah, I get kind of sick of it. Like every morning you wake up at three o'clock, yeah. there's a little boy looking at you and you're like, I can't help him, but he's standing there. What do I do? It can be a little frustrating. Sure. Yeah. Starting to lose sleep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah. So that's kind of neat, but nobody else, you know, and every now and then we talk to the owner of the inn and that, and uh, nobody else has ever reported seeing the oh, boy. Wow. Okay. It's those folks. Sure. You know, and then they stop coming, and that's kind of where the story ends. But but it's it's still unique because you can go into that little cemetery, and on our tour, we really can't yes. go in because it's a historic thing. It's right off the main road. The yes. DNR does not want us stopping there. <laughs> so, uh, we try and comply most of the time. Yeah. Um, if you go in there on your own, you see the toys mm -hmm. and the, the money is all still there. I mean, it's it's added. People add to it. It's just amazing. Yes, it's amazing. Yeah, it's an ongoing story. It's neat. It's kind of a tradition. It's become a tradition for everybody. So yeah. That's cool. Now, um, after we leave that, we work our way. There's another um, a young girl who died of uh, tetanus and uh, tragically died in her parents' home. And they ran one of the stores in town. Uh, and um, that story is more about the fact that she, after she passed, she didn't leave the house. And anybody, relatives and that who stayed there, and now one of the local inns owns it. And they've had workers and people staying there who report waking in the night to her cries and her sobs. And oh, she, no. <laughs> you know, so, so that's a scary story as well. Yeah. It. Um, but um, it's one of those stories that we've got some of the details, but we don't have every single yeah. detail. We only have the things that were reported sure. or what the family brought to us. Right. Uh, so, so that one's not as involved. But it's still a good story. That one gets well, and I'll I'll save the next part. I was going to go on to something, another part of the tour, but I'll save that till I'm done telling you about the next story. Sure. Because then we work our way down the marina to the marina, and we're on the waterfront. And when you get into the fall, when the winds whipping and the crashing, yeah. it's Crazy. a spectacular sight. Great and experience. It's feeling the whole thing, yeah. And it's um, and we started talking about a shipwreck, and this is. Back to that death door type of thing where with the limestone, with the islands, with the storms and the, the size of the, the Bay of Green Bay, actually. Um, you know, it's not that far across in a in a speedboat. You, you can make the uh, um, the crossing in about 20 to 25 minutes. But back in the day with sails or with the, uh, right. the steam engines, it took upwards of two hours mm. to make that crossing. So, uh, and there are numerous stories of people even up till this day that tried to to beat a storm back 
from uh, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan side over here to the uh, Door County side and not made it. And so uh, that's one of these stories. Um, and this, once again, goes back to the founder of Fish Creek, uh, Asa Thorpe, the guy that sold the wood that the uh, Noble family bought that uh, property from to eventually build the Noble House. And um, Asa was uh, pushing some of his sons to build these inns and these hotels in the area. And one of the sons, Freeman, well, he went over to um, uh, Menominee Marinette, which is where the Menominee River splits mm -hmm. northern Wisconsin from the Upper Peninsula, Michigan. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was there. He took a crossing on the uh, the Fish Creek Transportation Company. He had bought a boat, um, and uh, they were providing this service. And when they got about halfway back from Menominee, back towards Fish Creek, yeah. uh, a storm overtook them. And when they left, there were reports this storm was going to occur. And actually, one of Freeman's brothers, Edgar, chose not to take the trip. He said, you're crazy. You're trying to get that lumber back there. You're <laughs> the trying smart to. one. <laughs> um, I'm staying here. If you want to try it, you go right ahead. But I'm not coming along. And sure enough, they had a full load of lumber, a thousand board feet of lumber. And they're coming back, and there's an island about halfway back called Green Island, um, right between Egg Harbor and Menominee. And they usually went to Green Island and then made their way uh, northeast towards Fish Creek. And uh, at this point, he takes off, and everything's looking good. He's thinking, if I can look to the northwest, and that's where I was told the storm's going to be coming from, um, everything's going to be good. So uh, he gets back, and all of a sudden, he starts uh, seeing flashes of lightning over his head, and then he starts he hearing the roll of thunder. He looks up to the northwest, but those skies are all clear. So then he shifts his gaze to the rear of the boat, mm -hmm. the Erie Ackley. And uh, there he sees a storm gathering out of the southwest, and it's mm -hmm. racing at him at a high rate of speed. Sure. He knows big trouble. He knows he's got to uh, do something to avert the danger. So he attempts to turn the nose of the Hackley directly into the oncoming storm, but he never completes the turn. The boat is smashed by a wall of water. It heaves, it lurches, and cracks in half, and down it goes. 185 feet right down to the bottom of Green Bay. Yep, it took all of two minutes for it to sink. Wow, yeah, that's crazy. And 11 people passed away. It's, to this day, it's still the largest um, loss of life in a maritime disaster on the Bay of Bay of Green Bay in its yeah. history. Wow. So 11 people died. Only, only seven are recovered. And the most of those that die suffer that most horrific death of hypothermia. Mm. Ones, yeah. they, they just out, outright drown. And then eight survived, but they were able to cling to some of the wreckage. Sure. Some of the lumber, lumber a couple of them were able to work their way back to Green Island. They were yeah. rescued by a steamship the next day. Um, but the pilot house and cabin of that boat floated north. Ended up right at the foot of Eagle uh, Eagle Bluff in Peninsula State Park. Mm. That's when they found not only the uh, the cabin, the pilot house, the the bell still intact no. in the house, yeah. and every single life jacket still hanging on its hook. Oh. It's so fast they couldn't get one off the hook. Oh even. wow! Yeah, it was quite a tragedy. Yes. Um, so uh, the story as it goes, is that Freeman Thorpe was on that boat and uh, 
you know, he, he had a tough go of it. But his brother Roy, as he's awaiting the arrival of the ship to help move all that lumber up to the home site, well, he knows it's going to be a, a, you know, Freeman left for three days. He knew it was going to be the third day that they'd show up with all the lumber, so he didn't worry too much about it. Uh, but he was anticipating everything. When Freeman bought the lumber, he actually was able to get a hold of John and get a message or to Roy and get a message to him and let him know exactly what time to be at the dock to have the, uh, you know, the horse and the, and the uh, cart and everything ready to haul that lumber up. And so Roy was ready to go. But that night, the night before the Hackley sank, Roy ends up having a dream. And in the dream, it's him getting on the deck of the Hackley. And it's him standing there when the wall of water hits. He's smashed. He's thrown into the water. He's struggling for his life. He awakes in a cold sweat. Fear grips his soul. You know, and he's, he's his first inclination, call, call Freeman. Get a hold of Freeman. Let him know. Don't get on that boat. Bad's going to happen, you know. But then he, he convinces himself that, hey, this is only a dream. Yeah. This doesn't really matter. This isn't real. Yeah. This is what's going on here. So he just lets the thought pass, and then he attempts to get back to sleep. But then the dream revisits one more time, just as it was the first time. You know, him standing on the deck, thrown into the uh, icy waters of the bay. You know, in those waters, once again, he's struggling for his life. Once again, he awakes in that cold sweat. Once again, his first inclination, contact Freeman, let him know. Let him know not to get on that boat. But once again, he just lets the thought pass. And then he never sees him alive again. Three days later, two miles south of there, washed up on the uh, ice, well, the icy rocks of Hat Island, he found his icy blue body still clinging to a piece of his own lumber. Oh, oh my. That's just. Oh. Yeah, it was rough. That, that, yes, that is tragic. That is, you know, maybe you should listen to the dream, you know? Yeah. Well, and it, I'll tell you, it, it haunted Roy for the next oh. well, 16 days short of 30 years. Oh. So, is, is what oh, he, oh boy. So, it haunted him for quite a while. He yeah. And, you know, um, after the tragedy occurred, he felt terrible, but three days later, he mentioned something to a friend of his who happened to be a writer. And one week after the Hackley sank, a story appears in the Door County Advocate mm-hmm. called Roy's Dream. And okay. it's, it's all about that dream. Oh, and wow. that's where we got a huge amount of this story from. And sure. then we, the accounts of it, we mm-hmm. got the family, the family relatives that gave us, you know, how, how families will elaborate on these yeah. stories. Over, yeah, over yeah. The- you know, and we, of course, don't elaborate one bit on any of it. So, you know. Yeah, you don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to. That's, that's a great story. Well, it is. And the, and the part, um, after, you know, tell the story, we discussed the fact that, uh, you know, fishermen have been plying those waters, commercial fishermen, for well over 100 years. Yeah. And to this day, they will not go near the site where that boat went down. Really? It's not out of respect for the dead. They hear... They hear the uh, the cries and the screams of yeah. those parents that day. Uh, they avoid the area at all costs. Mm. They've seen images of their faces underneath the surface of the water. Oh. <laughs> Stories oh. passed down, right, from family to family. Yeah. And, you know, it has nothing to do with respect, though. It, it all has to do yeah, yeah. with 
beer, you know. They oh, know it's, yeah. It's coming their way. And, uh, yes. So they avoid it. And everybody. I don't blame them. How suspicious, uh, you know, Mariners have been over the years. And that's. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. They're superstitious. And, and uh, I don't blame them. If I saw a face staring up at me from underneath the water. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to a land speed record. <laughs> I'm out of there. <laughs> now, one of the cool things that happened, and I will share this, um, is that uh, back in the, well, in the 80s, there were some scuba divers went down and searched the site of the wreckage. They actually found two sets of remains. Oh. And they brought those remains up to the surface, and they sat in the mortuary here in Sturgeon Bay for a long time. Okay. It was actually the, the same funeral home that that friend of mine purchased that I told <laughs> yeah. you about, you know, the earlier one. It was yeah. a day Last night, guy's name was Davis, Davis Mortuary. And uh, he's the one who convinced the Historical Society here in Sturgeon Bay to give a, uh, you know, that uh, give them a proper burial. The two sets of remains, they didn't have DNA. They couldn't tell exactly which two of the four they were. Wow. Uh, but they still, Sturgeon Bay put on a very classy Victorian-style funeral for those folks. And I live just down the block from the cemetery that they buried them at, the grave markers there. Yeah. And I walk by it almost on a daily basis. Oh, great. And, uh, it, so it's got wow. a lot of the history of that event, but the boat and the, the families from Fish wow. Creek. Now they're yeah. Doing. It's a very, very nice story. Wow. Interesting. So you ready to move on? Yes. Because the next stop to me really brings it all together. Okay. We go to the cemetery and we get to meet every single character in these stories. And that's the beauty of this tour, I think, over a lot of them that I've been on. Yeah. It's getting to actually hear the story, mm -hmm. get the history, right. hear about the haunting, maybe get an image, a facial image that maybe matches one of these folks. And then you go to the cemetery and get the stories mm -hmm. at their graveside. Yeah. You know, about about their, their burials and uh, when they were buried and how things that happened along the way just the process and the cemeteries that they were they were in and how you know one of the cemeteries became part of the park and how nobody's allowed to be buried there now but how people still sneak in and still uh yeah. still are able to get in and, and do things and have experiences there and then we mm -hmm. go to the uh, an active cemetery that was established back in 1890 and you get to meet all the characters mm -hmm. in that cemetery as, as well so yeah. And that's a lot of people love it. And I, I have an experience last week where I had a gentleman take a picture out of the back of my trolley yeah. as we were leaving this cemetery. Mm -hmm. And it was a it was uh, when that super moon was going on. Oh, sure. Uh, and so it was just unbelievably bright. And as we um, he, he he came up after the tour and he showed me. He said, "This is what I took after." I said, "Wow, that's really a neat looking." Uh, looking shot i said you got some of those gravestones and look at the aura around them and there's a tinge of red in the background from the red lights of the trolley as we're pulling away it was just really a neat picture yeah. and he said, yeah but look at what's above that um that that grave marker uh that gravestone and i said oh, i said you got an orb he said yeah i did he said i not only got an orb keep an eye on it as i expand the size of this picture yeah. and it expanded the picture right in front of me that orb turned into an elderly gentleman's face. Oh, I very, love it. Very well defined. Yeah. Very easy to recognize. And I've been using it on my tour every every night over the last uh, the last week. Yeah. 
And it's pretty, I said, just keep an eye there and there you go. So it, it's another example. Yeah. You know, it's not just in the Noble House, but here we are at the right. cemetery. And with yeah. these new phones, you, we've been getting orbs for years, even sure. with 35 millimeter film. Uh-huh. But with the new, with the cell phones, you can snap your picture. You can expand the size uh-huh. and see what's in those orbs. Right. That's cool. Yeah, yeah that is cool. When I was there, my experience was when I was taking pictures, I got near, um, I believe, the doctor and his children. I don't know if I'm right on that because it's been a little while since I've done But when I tried to take the picture, my phone went dead. It was fully charged. It was just dead. Uh-huh. And then when I got back on the trolley, it came back. <laughs> And, right. and then I had my wife do it. Her phone just malfunctioned. It just, she'd like, why isn't this not taking a picture? And then we got back on the trolley. Our phones were fine. <laughs> right. Right. And that we, I remember times when I first started, I'd watch somebody change the batteries in their cameras yeah. as we are, you know, sitting at the trolley station, getting ready to leave. And they'll walk into the noble house and they'll come out all frustrated and upset my camera died. As soon yeah. as I walked in that house, the camera died. I did. I got nothing. And within 20 minutes of leaving the house, mm-hmm. everything working fine. Working fine. Right. And it happened many times. Yeah. And even with cell phones now, you'll get people, all of a sudden, everything's yeah. fuzzed out. Yeah. Um, you know, and every other picture they took on the tour is, you know, the clarity is, is perfect. Right. And inside the house, everything's fuzzed. Here's another one for you about, I think it was six years ago. I had a guy come out of the house. He never, he wasn't taking pictures. He had his phone in, the, in his pocket and they were in the room where you, you hear the stories. And there's a picture yeah. of Alexander Noble mm-hmm. on uh, one of the side cupboards in that uh, room. And he came out and he said, you know, I said, Hey, you taking pictures? He says, no, but I, I looked at my phone when I came out of the house and look what's on it. He had a, a picture of Alexander Noble on his phone and he had never taken his phone out of his pocket. That's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was pretty interesting. I never forgot that. I've shared that with people quite a bit too. So oh, that is amazing. Um, so anything else at the tour you want to bring up before I have a couple of questions for you? Oh, sure. Um, well, after we leave the lighthouse, we do, I mean, the uh, cemetery, we end at a lighthouse, but we have three great lighthouse stories for you as well. And I won't go into detail on those because those are ones that you really got to be there. Yes. My favorite one, though, if you remember Minnie Kokums. Yes. The, the lady who, yeah. And that one, that's one. I mean, if you if you ever get a chance to come on this tour for that story alone, it's just, it's a great story. Just a great and a very happy story. Yes. Yeah. Why don't right. you tell that? Why don't you tell that story? Why don't you give kind of a brief uh, you know, a hint to our uh, audience right. here? So, well, Emily Hesh was a young lady who, who, um, uh, while well, she was very intrigued by lighthouses, but um, her her parents had passed away, and she, back in eighteen sixty three, she started um, spending the summers with her uncle. Her uncle's name was Henry Stanley, who just happened to be the first keeper of the light at the Eagle Bluff Lighthouse in Peninsula State Park. And so she'd be spend the summers following him around and, uh, you know, pretty much mimicking everything that he did. Now, he started at, at Eagle Bluff in 1868 when it opened, um, but that her summer vacations just continued. Where he went, she went. So he served that lighthouse all the way until uh, 1883 
when he was named the uh, Keeper of the Light at the Sherwood Point Lighthouse, which is on the other side of Sturgeon Bay, opening up right into Green Bay. And um, that lighthouse, well, he served that one quite well all the way till 1898. And that's where he passed away of natural causes. And when he passed away, um, you know, after all those years of many following him around and, um, you know, learning how to keep light and mimicking everything that he did. I mean, she was the, she, she knew everything about it. They're, they could not have found a better person to hire as the White House keeper, but they didn't hire her. You know who they hired? Mm. Her husband, William. Okay. Because Minnie, Minnie had a fatal flaw. You know what it was? She's a woman. Yes. <laughs> Back in the day. So they hired him as the lighthouse keeper. They hired her as the assistant lighthouse keeper. And so, you know, and I'm not exactly sure on the, uh, you know, the accuracy of this, but I think there were quite a few other women whose husbands had died and been appointed lighthouse keepers. But as far as outright appointment to uh, one of these positions and as the assistant lighthouse keeper, the United States Life Saving Service actually appointed her, which was a huge deal. Yeah. Uh, because of that, I mean, she took a lot of pride in that that she was appointed and she was actually the keeper, you know, that's just, she just yeah. didn't have a title. Right. And so uh, the light, she kept that light out spotless. And despite, you know, the, uh, the, the lack of guests who came out there because back in the day, Door County didn't have roads everywhere. Everything was settled sure. by water. Right. So you weren't traveling, you know, by paths or roads, you were coming in by boat. So if you're going to visit the Kokums, that's where you're going to, going to see them. So, mm -hmm. Anybody who did visit, they all said the same thing. Minnie, <laughs> that lighthouse, it's spotless. Everything is always in its place. Place for everything, everything in its place. Um, and if you did visit Minnie, one of her prized possessions was a tea set that somebody had given her years prior. So you were going to definitely have tea when you were with Minnie. That was her <laughs> opportunity, you know, to do yeah. it. And um, so her and William, they did serve that lighthouse they did it for quite a few years, about 30 years. But in 1928, when she was getting out of bed to start her daily chores, Minnie, she never made it to the door. Mm. So she passes away. She's buried just down the block from me as well. I see her on a regular basis, at least her stone, because Minnie's not in that cemetery. We all know where Minnie's at. She stayed at that lighthouse. Right. Um, you know, and uh, that's not just based on local lore and legend. Because during World War II, the Coast Guard took over all the lighthouses on the Great Lakes for security purposes. And when they did that, well, accurate logs had to be kept. And in those logs are many instances of things which can only be attributed to many Kofos. Yes. So among them, in the middle of the night, at that darkest, quietest time of the night, you could hear the rattling of a cup and a saucer from that tea set of minis. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, yeah. that's great. Quite that's a few, great. quite a few of those entries. And, and I'll tell you what, keepers logs in the lighthouses, those weren't anything to be messing around with or joking about. Mm -hmm. That had to be accurate stuff, you know? Yes. And so, uh, so yeah, then in 1983, um, on the 100-year anniversary of the building of that lighthouse, the Coast Guard, they finally exit. And at that point, it's converted to become a, a facility for active and retired military. You could pay a nominal fee. You could stay at that lighthouse. So um, in one of the stays, there was a Coast Guard officer who was married with children. 
He put in for a week's leave, stay at the Sherwood Point Lighthouse, both requests granted. Uh, so when the date comes, they load up the family. Sturgeon Bay, they, they, they come. They move into the lighthouse. And then they set it immediately to see all of Door County. Mm-hmm. And County, you've been here. You know how big it is. Yes. But these folks attempted to see all of Door County in one day. Not going to happen. No. <laughs> 72 miles long, 300 feet of coastline. Not going to happen. So, uh, so yeah. So, um, uh, when they get home that night, they are all dog tired. The kids are cranky. They feed them all dinner. They put them to bed. They leave that cleanup till morning. But in the middle of the night, <laughs> at that darkest, quietest time of the night, they awake to that sound of uh, a cup and a saucer. <laughs> you know, and uh, but the guy, the Coast Guard gentleman, was not afraid at all sure. because he had read all those logs prior. Oh, there you go. So, so instead of getting freaked out, he just yelled out into the night, hey, Minnie, you're going to make all that racket. Well, at least you could do is just clean up our clean up our kitchen. <laughs> well, upon waking the next day, guess what? That kitchen was spotless. <laughs> Everything was in its place. I love it. Front of the kitchen table. Love it. One saucer. Uh, <laughs> so at I that point, I'm going to ask you to just sit and dream of having your own mini cocums. There you go. Yes, and yeah. that's that's excellent. So before we wrap up, do you have just a real quick experience that um, maybe shook you a little bit or maybe made you laugh or made, I don't know, just something that you thought of like, this is kind of what I tell everybody. This is, you know, on my tours, this is what happened. Yeah. Well, the one I shared with you already about um, taking oh, that picture, yeah. that one. That one shook me quite. That one really changed my thinking on the whole thing. Um, so that was that was pretty cool. But I I can tell you one of my early years when yeah. I was doing this. Um, actually, it was in my first year. There have it's called the House in Mourning, M O U R N I N G, mm-hmm. and they do like I told you before. They every three years they do a a wake for Alexander Noble, right. where they have you know a coffin from a, an actual coffin from back in the eighteen eighteen nineties. And have, you know all the funeral clothes, all the the period accurate oh, funeral, wow. funeral clothing and everything. Mannequins. It's just a it's a really neat scene. Yeah, yeah. That and it's going on. And there, I had a, a lady with an SLR camera and digital SLR, and uh, she's in. I, I'm in the room at this time with her, and I'm watching her take pictures. And I, well, did you get anything good? And she says, Well, just hang on a second. Let me finish this. And she took a series of three pictures, three snaps in a row. And um, I, we get out of the room and I said, okay, let's see what you got. And she shows me the first one. It's the coffin picture of Alexander, the bouquet of flowers on top, the whole deal. Nothing out of the ordinary. The second picture is a big uh, mist of steam right in front of the coffin. The outline of a gentleman's um, profile oh. with a beard looked exactly like Alexander Noble. Oh. And then the third picture, back to nothing again. Wow. Just, I love what was there. Yeah. It's great. And that was right. That guy, it was like, wow, this is real. This I was yeah. something that was that was amazing to me. Yeah. yeah. That is amazing. Why I didn't fully believe at that point, I don't know. It took right. that 
later, you know, a few years later to get me. But yeah, it, it's it's you know, you know, like I tell people, it's not that you. It's okay if you don't believe, but you know, just give it a chance, right? You oh, know, right. take a look at some things and make that decision once you see some some evidence. Because I I get it. There's a lot of I don't know how you would say uh, fakes and everything, and I get it. But it, it's the reason I believe is just the mystery, right? The not knowing what's out there sometimes, not right. knowing is is a good thing, right? And, right. and believing in what you believe that's that's fine, right? It doesn't hurt anybody. Oh, exactly. Fine. And that's where a lot of people come to, you know, like you have spouses where the wife believes everything, the husband doesn't believe a right. thing. You're a little skeptical, you'll hear him going back and forth. But I was good. I say, hey, are you religious? And usually it's, yeah, yeah, we go to church. We just said, well, <laughs> is it all about the afterlife? What are you thinking? You know, I yeah. mean, there's get think about that. You know, there's yeah. something here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> Maybe we will someday. <laughs> I would love to have you back, uh, you know, sometime if you would if, grace us with your presence again, because all these stories were amazing. Uh, I, I loved everything. And obviously, I can tell you love your job, which is thank oh, yeah. you, because we need people like you to keep telling the stories and spreading that message so people can, you know, see what it's like with the history um, and, and the, again, you know, when I went, that's what I loved and people will love it. So I will put everything out, you know, where they can find you and everything and say hi to Ed from me, John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And, uh, and anything, uh, anything else you want to say, Ed, anything you want to, before we go? Yeah, I just I just want to uh, commend the the group of guys that we have that do these stories and that with the murder and mayhem tour as well. Yeah, uh, and the effort that they put in because they are all just as enthusiastic as I am about it, and they uh, they really love everybody loves their jobs, you know, and it's uh, it's an amazing thing. So a big thank you to AJ as well who started yeah. this company back in the year two thousand and uh, gave us all the opportunity to do this because. You know, he started us out and said, "Well, these are the stories. Go, go get them." <laughs> you know, yeah. And so, so we could research. We find out new information. Mm -hmm. We have relatives. We have, uh, you know, people that come on these tours that they they've heard different versions of the stories. They give us other things that we can look in and say, "Oh, that connects mm -hmm. that connects this part of the story with that story." So these stories are very dynamic and they're yeah. constantly evolving. So yes, absolutely, and. Just to tell my uh, my spooky friends out here, I we didn't even get to the murder mayhem tour because there's so much just in the yeah. ghost tour. But we will hopefully add. I can have you back on sometime when you uh, maybe after the season or, or if you have some time, I'll send you a message sure. and we can talk about that because I'm sure you have some great stories about the murder mayhem tour. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so excellent. So we always end every episode by by saying, say hi to your ghosts. So say hi to your ghosts. We're always friendly. <laughs> and stay spooky, Ed. You got Loved it. it. This was a great show. Uh, I look forward to talking to you uh, down the road. Thanks for having me on, John. Appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, Ed. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye.